What makes you angry? That's the question. What makes you angry? Answers. Okay, more sucky drivers. Sucky drivers. I agree. And that's actually one of the things I had written down to mention if nobody did. Yeah. And I don't know about y'all, but for me, it's not just bad drivers. It's really wimpy drivers. Like, and those of you who drive, maybe you can understand, or maybe you're the wimpy ones I'm yelling at. But uh, um, these people who will sit, like, and wait to turn left for like a half hour, wait for three miles of clear road on either side, right? That, oh, that, or people who don't know how to work a four way stop. Oh, these things bother me. Yes, what else makes you angry? Great. Major doses of stupidity. Major doses of stupidity. I agree. Okay, building close to house. Stupid people should have to wear signs. Um, yes, Harley. Any stupid people. That doesn't have to be major jokes. Major doses. Yes, sir. Uniforms at school make you angry. Unicorns. <laughs> uh, unicorns at school make you angry too. Yes, Harley. People that tell me I have anger problems. People that tell you you have anger problems. All right. Just want to punch those people in the face. <laughs> I think that might be a sign. But anyways, uh, just just on that out there. They need to control their stupidity. Gotcha. Well, tonight we're talking about anger. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 11, verses 15 and 16. Okay, and you'll notice I actually gave you a note thing, like fill in the blanks. I haven't done that in a little while, but if you'd like to do that, feel free to, uh, to use those. Because, uh, and we've got pens up here, of course. Also, if you have not put in your prayer request, you can feel free to do that at any point. But I wanted to make that available for you. So we are in... Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 15. It says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. They actually went through the seventh. So Jesus shows up in the temple, the church. Okay, he shows up and there's people selling stuff. And this isn't like bake sale fundraising things, right? These people are, they're basically charging people to offer their sacrifice, which they were not supposed to charge. Like, the, you know, this is still before Jesus has died, and so the Old Testament rules are still in place as far as the sacrifice. So people have to sacrifice every year, and what these guys are doing, they're charging people, they're selling people animals for sacrifice, which was not uh, given as an option. That's, they, they weren't supposed to be. So Jesus comes in, and what does he do? He comes and he starts turning stuff over, right? He's knocking things on the ground. <laughs> he comes in, leave him, just leave me, leave me, leave me, leave me. Right? He comes in, he starts throwing a fit. He gets angry really, really quick. Okay, and this is what I was talking about two weeks ago when I when I did the sermon on what do you do? I talked about what are you good at? What do you like to do? And what makes you angry? What is your passion? What are the things that get you riled up? Okay, and this is what it is. Jesus, in this case, he's mad because people are perverting the sacrifice. They're taking what God instituted and turning it into this unholy human thing. And Jesus gets really frustrated at that. Okay, Jesus does not handle that well. Now, there's, two, there's good anger and there's bad anger. Um, Friday night, many of you received a text from me that was sent in bad anger, I'll admit, okay? The, con the content of said text was not necessarily incorrect, but the motivation for my sending it 
was not the best. And so, and so I want to take a second here and apologize. Okay, I should not have said that in anger. I should have gone home and slept on it and then sent it out the next morning after I'd had some time to think about it and still been able to make my point. But I should not have done that because I was angry at the wrong thing. Okay, see, that was, that was not the way to do it. Some of you guys do this, but you do it on social media for all the world to see. You get mad, you get on social media, you say ignorant things, and you make yourself look like a fool, and then you're like, oh, I was just mad when I said that. That's not really how I feel. Well, it obviously is, but you shouldn't get on social media when you're mad, which isn't even in my notes. But I wanted to, to mention it because those are examples of human anger. Those are the wrong kind of anger. All right, in the book of James, uh, he writes... My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How many of you guys are slow to become angry? Some of you are slow to become angry. Some of you should have your hands down because you're fast to become angry. You know that. All right. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And you know what I'm talking about. I've had a few conversations with you about, dude, like, you know, because you'll post it and then you text for me. And you're like, dude, yeah. what the heck? What are you putting on your... Like, what are you putting on your on your Facebook? Like, man, why are you putting that stuff? Because that is not the righteousness that God desires for us. Okay? And we get angry at these things, and sometimes they're not even real things. Like, like somebody said something that wasn't even about you, but you got all ticked off. How many of you have ever done that? Like, you thought somebody said something about you, and you got all blown up and ready to throw, and it wasn't even about you. Right? Okay? That's what I'm talking about. Some of us, some of us get mad at stuff we can't control. Like me in the car, because like I say, I have, I'll admit, road rage is an issue. And I can't control that fool driver. That doesn't stop me from screaming at him through my window, you know. I mean, I don't roll the window down. But man, I tell you what, I'll be driving, I see that fool driver. Come on, you moron! You know, I'm screaming at the person. I sh that's not righteous anger. I'm aware of that. I'm trying to work on it. Because that doesn't, that's not righteous. I don't have any control. There's no point in getting mad and upset at things that are out of our control. The, the Gospels say... Uh, worry does not, does worry add a date to your life? The answer is no, of course it does not. Okay? So we spend all this time getting angry at things that we have no control over or things that really sh shouldn't anger us at all, and it's human anger. We have to learn to control that. Okay? Some of you guys who are, you realize you're quick to anger, that's something that, that needs to be controlled that you can't control, and you know that because you've tried, right? You've tried to control your anger, has not worked particularly well. Uh, maybe your friends have had to hold you back from a fight or, or whatever it may be. You've come close to snapping a few times. But, but we have to learn to control that through Jesus. We can't do it on our own. So what kind of anger should we have? Okay, we should have Jesus' anger. Jesus' righteous anger is the anger that we should be having. And uh, Jesus showed us this. Okay, go to the next thing, Wes. I already did that. Wait, pay attention. I know go to that. the next one. That was the next thing. Thank you very much. Okay, no, I know, but I already read that verse. Is what I'm saying. You got to pay attention. This is number two. We must learn to discover righteous anger. What? No, that wasn't angry. That was mild annoyance. Plus, he needs to do it in order. He just not my fault. He didn't pay attention. Anyways, you're not doing it right. Let's see. You're right. There, I went blanking on him. So your point is not untaken. We have to learn to discover Jesus's righteous anger because Jesus didn't get angry over things that he couldn't control. He didn't get angry over things that were just perceived slights. He thought somebody was doing something. He got angry over things that were really wrong. He got angry 
because there was an injustice being done. The people were not, these guys were price gouging and they're, they're ripping people off in the name of God. And Jesus got super upset at that. Okay, we need to get angry at the people who are getting in the way of the lost meeting Jesus. We need to get angry at the people who who are doing injustices in the world, you know, uh, things like the, uh, how many of you guys were a part of, um, at, at, at First Priority, the, uh, and it's, how many of you guys didn't heard about that, right? That is an anger, the, the end of movement is an anger at people who are oppressing other people. They're taking and they're literally enslaving other people. That is something to get angry at. We should be angry at that. Okay, but these people who take and keep other folks from meeting Jesus, all that does if we accept that is to cheapen Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Jesus gave up an incredible amount of pain for us. And when we cheapen, when we, when we allow injustices to happen, that cheapens the sacrifice. I want you to imagine this. Imagine you got Christmas is coming up and we're nine months away from Christmas or so. I want you to imagine from now until then, you save up for a really nice gift. For, for your boyfriend or girlfriend, hypothetical, that's fine, whatever. Just imagine you save up for a really, really nice gift for somebody, right? And man, you work and you save and, and you're, you, you know, you sacrifice in order to save up because you really want to get an awesome gift for this person. And you go out and you spend some real money, like, you know, you spend some good money on this thing and you give it to them. And then like two weeks later, they're like, oh yeah, I lost that. Right? You get super mad. You get super ticked off. See, that's, that's what happens. Jesus paid an incredible price. He paid a very high price so that you and I could meet him and we could be saved. And when we allow people to do injustices, we cheapen that. We act like we don't care about what Jesus did for us. And that is 100% wrong. You see, there are certain things that get me really fired up. There are certain things that really, really get me angry. Things like... Myself, I, I remember myself at y'all's age. Hey, stay with me, guys. Stay with me, please. Okay? I imagine myself at your age. And I remember me being on the worship team and being the pastor's kid. But, man, walking so shallow. I think about myself. I think about how I would go to church on Sundays and then I'd go home. And I was, and I was still a good kid, but I was absolutely not. I had no control over my thought life. I was consumed with lust, right? I was just living this shallow, pathetic, apathetic walk that absolutely infuriates me when I think about it now. Because the time that I wasted then, the time that I wasn't doing my devotionals then, the times that I wasn't learning scripture and learning about scripture then has come back to affect me now. I should be a better worship leader than I am. I should be a better preacher and teacher than I am. I should have more scripture already memorized, but I wasted time. And that makes me mad. I heard it said that the ceiling for one generation is the floor for the next. And if that's the case, then my ceiling is holding you guys down because I didn't allow my ceiling to get up to where it should be. And that frustrates me. I get angry when I think about the fact that, get this, 59% of people who grow up in church will walk away from it after, after high school. They will not continue on the faith. Okay, just for example, look at you and the four closest people to you. Look around. Find the four closest people to you. Statistically, out of those five, only two of them will stay in church after high school. Only two of them will continue to walk with Jesus after high school. Okay, that makes me really mad. That seriously frustrates me. 
59%. That's a terrible success rate. That frustrates the heck out of me. The only sport or the only thing that that's okay in is baseball. You can hit 400, you're one of the best. But in any job, in every school, if you've got a 41%, what would they call that? Failing. That would be failing. Okay? But that's what the church in America right now is doing. We're failing your generation. That makes me mad. Okay? And yes, there are some that come back. Okay? And, and my Facebook timeline is proof of that because it cracks me up. I see people who I went to high school and college with who will post uh, scriptures and you know, all this cool stuff. And it seems real. And so I don't want to doubt that. But I'm like, dude, when you and I were in college, you were not reading that. Like, you know, I have seen you do the beer wrong. And uh, you were definitely not reading scripture the next morning because you probably didn't wake up till 3 o'clock in the afternoon the next morning. Like, I know how that is. And so, yes, some of them will come back. But it's only a few. Most of them, we lose for the full time. And the fact that even them, that they lose three, five, seven, however many years, that makes me angry. And that's only among the people who went to church. When you think about the overall population, okay, there's a, right now there's a smaller population who grew up in church than ever before. So that means that we got this little bitty segment of population that grows up in church, and then only two out of those five are going to stay in it. That gets me riled up, y'all. I get angry when I see Teenagers who have got a purpose and who are anointed. You know, Jeremiah 29 11 somehow managed to quote it in every sermon, and I don't plan it that way, but says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I get angry when I see teenagers who are who have plans and who are anointed for an incredible purpose, who are content with just being a good kid, right? You raise your hands in worship, you go to camp, you speak in tongues, you fall out. And you, you learn a few memory verses. You make sure not to get drunk so you don't get in trouble. And that's it. That's good enough. I'm tired of good enough teenagers. John 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief came only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not life and have it good enough. Not life and have enough so that their parents don't yell at them. Not life and have it just, just enough so that they don't go to jail, but life to the full, all the way through the plans that God has for us. These are the things that we need to be angry at. You say, Tony, 59% of students leave the church. What's the answer? Like, well, what is, what is the answer to students leaving the church and to, to people living these apathetic, lazy Christian lives? The answer is this. It's a, it's a simple word. I was talking about it today with somebody. And, and too often it gets, it had, in, in the history of the church, it has gotten passed over. And that word is grace. You see, grace is radical, undeserved favor. It's something you and I cannot earn. It is in, impossible to earn grace. But Jesus gave it to us anyways. And, and many of you have experienced that. You've had Experiences where you know you felt the love of God like you never had before. You've gone to camp, you've gone to whatever the thing was, and you've experienced that, but you've forgotten about it. And you haven't done it in a while. You haven't felt it in a while. And we have to continually be reminding ourselves of it. 
We've, we've taken, we grew up in the church and we heard about it. You're like, yeah, I know. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me. So I know the song. I get it. Jesus loves me. But we've stashed it in the back of our mind as something we can use whenever we need to. It's like that one pair of shoes you keep in your closet. And you're like, one day I'm going to have an excuse to wear those again, ladies, right? Or guys, you might have a certain dress shirt or something like that. And you're like, one day I'm going to use that. Okay, I'm bad about that. I'll admit. I'll keep things in my closet. Like, one day I'll wear that again. No, I'm not. I got shirts in my closet I haven't worn in three years. But I think. One day I might have an excuse to wear that. That's what we do with grace. We turn this into a, in case an emergency, break the glass. We've got to remember it. We've got to remember that we were dead in our sins. Ephesians chapter 2 says we were dead in our transgressions. It was an unquantifiable, unfathomable distance from a holy God. You see, there was a huge distance that we could not reach God with. We had no chance of getting there. And every other religion requires that, that the human try and meet the God, that the human do all the work. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus came and he did the work so that we wouldn't have to. He came and lived a life of purity and a life of holiness and a life that, that is worthy of the sacrifice so that we wouldn't have to do that. Because he knew that we could. He made sure that when the time came, we didn't have to do the work. All we had to do was let him do it. And those of you that grew up in the church, I want to take a minute to remind you of that. To remind you that, that this is an incredible thing that we just gloss over too often. Because we grew up in the church and we know it. We've sung all the songs. We've heard the sermons. But sometimes we just got to take a minute and rest in the arms of a God who loves us. Of a God who calls himself the father to the fatherless, the hope for the hopeless. I want you to take a minute, just close your eyes. We're not done yet. This isn't totally prayer time yet. But I want you to just think about that. I want you to try and wrap your mind around that. When we had no chance of reaching God, no matter how hard we worked, he reached out his arms and he reached for us. When there was no hope, he reached for us. When, when you're at your worst, when you are stuck in that sin that you can't get out of, when nobody even knows about it, but you're struggling with that, and you're like, man, God probably doesn't even want me right now. I'm struggling with this thing, and I can't get out of it. That's when Jesus says, I want it. I want it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Tonight I want to offer opportunity for you to accept that grace. If you have not done so, I want to offer an opportunity for that. Maybe you just need to rededicate your life to Jesus. You say, I got saved. I, I've said the prayer before and I meant it then, but I have fallen away. If that's you, I want you to just think about that for a minute. We're not going to not going to move on it just yet, but I want you to be praying about this and thinking about this. Just continue to imagine again, try and wrap your heads around this grace that we cannot even begin to describe. Everyone looking up, everyone looking up. You see, here's the thing about righteous anger. 
Just like with Jesus, righteous anger causes us to act. We cannot have a truly righteous anger without acting on it, without doing something to fix the problem. I can say all day, and I have for many years, man, I wish I wasn't so overweight. It makes me mad that, that, that I am so overweight. But you know what? Till 10 days ago, I got up on a Monday morning. I set my alarm early, and I started running. I went out yesterday, and I invested in some shoes because the action is where the change comes from. I can be mad all day that I'm overweight, but nothing changes until the action is taken. A passion and anger will, will result in action. You see, guys, one of the things, in fact, probably the, the single biggest thing in this world that I'm passionate about and I'm angry about is you guys. Not I'm angry at you, but I'm angry about all those things I talked about earlier. That statistically, three out of every five of you won't, won't continue on in the faith once you leave this youth group. That makes me mad. That, oh, that gets me mad. When I think about your friends, they don't know Jesus. I get mad. I get angry. You see that text that I sent on Friday night was a result of a misplacement of, of that kind of anger. And I was mad at you guys, but I shouldn't have been. I should have been mad at a world that accepts a halfway Christianity from you. I love you guys so much. And I tell you what, man, this weekend was refreshing for me because I got to see some things start to flip in some of you guys. I got to see some things start to flip in this church. I got to see a little bit of a turning point because I want the world from you. I want you guys to be world changers. I want you to have incredible lives and be incredible moms and dads one day and have incredible marriages and to be an example for those around you and to be incredible businesswomen and businessmen and teachers and lawyers and whatever else God has planned for you. I want the best for you. But more than that, more than all those things, more than I want you to be blessed, I want you to be the will of God. I want that above everything else. I want you to be passionate about the things that God is passionate about. I want you, like the song says, we sing that song, Hosanna, and, and those lyrics have been in my mind for like five days now. We sing, break my heart for what breaks yours. That's where the sermon was birthed out of, guys. On Saturday, God just started ripping me apart. He said, you know what I'm mad about? And he started listing these things, man. And I want you to have the passion for your friends. I want you to be mad that some of your friends, if they were in a car wreck tonight and you didn't get to see them tomorrow, would go to hell and you had a chance to share Jesus with them. I want you to be mad that you own a Bible and it's dusty. This isn't some guilt-based sermon, guys. I'm not talking about human guilt because you've had enough of that in your lifetimes, especially if you grew up in church, okay? But I want you to be passionate about what God is passionate about. Tonight, I'm going to offer two, two things here. Number one, if you need to, to either meet Jesus for the first time, to, to, to begin a relationship with him, or you need to rededicate your life to him. You say, you know, I, I've met Jesus, but, I, but what you talked about earlier, that's me. If, if either one of those is you, and I don't want anybody's eyes closed, I don't want any head bowed, but if that's you, and we're not going to laugh at you, not going to make you feel bad or anything like that, 
But I want you to raise your hand right now in front of everybody. It's okay. Nobody's going to bite you. Nobody's going to yell at you. Jesus called his disciples publicly. He didn't say, all right, every head bowed and every eye closed. Now, Peter, would you like to be a disciple? No, he didn't. He stood at the boat and he said, you, come follow me. And, and Peter came. So if that's you, or if you're listening to this and you're like, Tony, I have not been mad about these things. Like, these things have never bothered me, but you know what I want to be? I want the passions that God is putting in me. I want to feel those. I want a new experience of those. I don't want our youth group to just be known as a youth group where the same 15 kids go every week and nothing ever changes and nobody ever grows. You see, there's something else I have to apologize to you guys for, and that is for accepting this good kid culture. I grew up in it. It's what I'm used to, where just being good enough is acceptable, because it's not. Good enough is not good enough anymore. And I'm, I'm raising the standard tonight. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm challenging you tonight. To push forward through this, this just, just barely getting by Christianity that some of you have been walking in. Some of you got saved at an altar when you were six and you're 16, you're in your teenage years now. And for nine years, nothing has changed. You've never pushed forward. You've never moved on with your relationship. You're still that same infant Christian you were. And tonight is the turning point for this youth group. Tonight is a new season. We're going to start something fresh. We're going to start a movement in this city that cannot be contained. That's what God's been getting me up, getting me angry about this week. So if that's you, if either you need Jesus for the first time, you want to dedicate your life, or you say, you know what, Tony? I need the anger. I don't have the anger. I don't have that righteous anger of God. If you're any one of those three things, why don't you stand right now? Every, don't look around. Don't wait to see if somebody else is doing it. I want you to stand. Come on. There's somebody in here who's feeling it. I know you are. Stand up and come right down front here. We're going to have an old school altar service. We haven't had one in a while. Come down right up front, and I want you to start digging in after God. I want you to start asking him. Come on. Come forward. I want you to start asking him for something fresh. I want you to start asking him out loud for something new, for a new passion. For a new desire to see your friends saved. For a new passion over your friends. For a new passion over your family. For a new anger over those who don't know Jesus. I want you to start claiming it. Claim right now. Start praying your friends' names out loud. We need Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, tonight, God. Oh, Heavenly Father, give us a fresh fire. Give us a fresh passion like we sang earlier. Set a fire down in our souls that is uncontrollable and uncontainable, God. Lord, tonight I pray that you would just... Bring upon us something new. Lord, a fresh fire, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, God. A fresh anointing on this place, on each and every student, Heavenly Father. Begin to speak out loud, guys. Don't wait for me to talk. I want to hear it out loud. I want to hear names of your friends who are being claimed in the name of Jesus. I want to hear names of your family members who are being claimed in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would bring us something new. God, give us something fresh, Heavenly Father, that you would not... That we would not accept this just good enough Christianity, God, but we would desire more of you, Lord, not out of guilt, but only out of a love for you, God. Oh, God, only out of a love for you, Lord, that we would seek to know you better, we would seek to know you more, and we would see your face, Heavenly Father. Oh, God, God, tonight we just want to see you more. We want to see, we don't want to wait for camp for you to show up at this place. We don't want to wait for a youth rally on Friday night or Saturday night to, for you to, to meet you, God. We don't want to wait 
for fine arts to meet you, Lord. We need you right here, right now. Lord, you said in Jeremiah that if I call on you, you will answer me. And so tonight we're calling on you, God, and we need an answer, God. We need your presence in this place, Heavenly Father. We need your spirit to just overwhelm this building right now, God. I don't care when the adults get done. God, we're going to stay here, Lord, until you're done with us tonight. God, we're just going to spend some time in your presence. Lord, we just want to worship your name. We just want to praise your name. Continue to pray out loud, guys. Continue to pray. Continue to seek after him. The Bible says we bring the sacrifice of praise. That means it's not going to be easy. That means you're going to have to give up a little bit of energy. You may have to give up a little bit of time. But God will reward that sacrifice. Heavenly Father, oh God, draw us into you, Lord. Give us a fire. Give us a desire to know you better, Lord. Lord, give us, give us a passion for those around us. God, right now, I pray that you would put names and faces in each student's head. God, names of friends that need you, names of family members that need you. You're putting them in their heads even now. God, you're giving them a passion for that person. God, that they would not be able to sleep tonight without lifting them up to you in, in the name of Jesus. That they would not be able to go to school tomorrow without doing something, without building a relationship, without building some change, without, without telling them about you, Lord, in some way, without inviting them to you, whatever it takes, God. They would not be able to sit back and watch their friends go to hell, Lord. Oh, Holy Father God. Lord, we, just, we praise you, God. Got a fresh fire, a fresh anointing on this place. A fresh fire and a fresh anointing right now, Lord. We cry out for it, Lord. We desire it. We need it right now. Lord, we need a fresh fire. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you're creating prayer warriors in this place. God, you're building up prayer warriors who just have a passion to, to, to lift up their friends and to lift up those around them. God, you're creating prayer warriors tonight, Heavenly Father. You're anointing them. God, you're creating preachers in this place. Lord, you're anointing people for full-time ministry. Lord, you're anointing some to be businesswoman and to, to have a passion for the people they deal with there. Lord, you're anointing some to be, to be teachers and to have a passion for their students, that their students would get to know you. You're anointing some to do whatever, God, to be garbage men and have a passion for the people on their route that as they drive the garbage route, they're going to say a prayer over every house that they pass, Heavenly Father. Whatever it may be, Lord, develop a passion in us. Lord, develop a passion. Lord, do not let us live in this mediocre walk anymore. Lord, do not let us live in that. Do not let us be okay with that, Heavenly Father. God, I pray right now, Lord, as a youth pastor, God, help me raise the standard. God, help me raise the bar beyond just good enough, Lord, but, but to where, God, I'm challenging these students and I'm encouraging them to live a true walk with you. God, it doesn't mean things are going to get perfect immediately. It doesn't mean things are going to get perfect ever. God, but it means that we'll be living life to the fullest, living into the fullness of the calling that you've given us, Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord. God, I pray right now over each and every student. I pray right now over each and every student that's in here. God, every student that's standing up here desiring for more of you, God. Over Harley. God, over Ronnie, over Amanda, over Taylor, over Audrey, over Tate, over Riley, over Angela, over Draven, over Kelsey. God, I pray that, that you would Grant them this passion. Grant them this anger at the things that you're angry at, Lord. 
Oh Lord, we worship your name. Heavenly Father, God, just set a fire in us. Set a fire inside of us, Lord. Set a fire in our hearts. Set a fire that we don't know how to stop. That there's no way we can we can do a thing. We cannot get through a day. We cannot get through a school period. We cannot get through a class. We cannot get through a week without feeling the stirring. God, the things that you did in my life this weekend, continue them. Don't let me get past it and then forget about it. God, I pray you would continue to break my heart for the things that break your heart. God, that like 1 Timothy 4.12 says, that this youth group would be an example to the believers. That we would not wait to be shown how to love you by the adults, God, but that we would seek after you with our own hearts and with our own desires, Lord, and be an example to them of how to reach this generation. Lord, the adults in this church aren't the ones who see these students every day at school. They don't necessarily know the issues that are really being dealt with, but every student in here does, God. Every student in here has the opportunity to show an adult how to minister to another young person. Got to be an example for the believers. In faith, in speech, in love. Lord, let us continue to be a reflection of you. God, let us continue to show you to those around us. God, make us more and more like you. Change us into your image. Like our theme verse for this, for this series says, make us more like you. God, not that we'll ever be you by any stretch, but God, that we would be able to show you to those around us. That we would not rely on a special event to have a reason to seek after your face. We would not rely on a, on a camp or on a trip or, or on a rally. Lord, that we would seek your face day in, day out. Again, not out of guilt, but in relationship. In relationship with you, God. God, tonight we thank you for what you're doing even now or for the callings that you're placing on people. Lord, I pray that we would not allow this to just be one Wednesday night where we stood up and came to the front. But Lord, that our relationships with you would grow deeper. That we would come to know you more and come to be aware of your presence more. God, we thank you. We love you so much. God, it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen.